Hello audience, this is Sam at the start of the podcast. You're going to hear for the first few minutes that Tom sounds uh, a little bit fuzzy. That's because he's using the wrong microphone. He had to turn his existing microphone off for some reason to illegally watch BBC iPlayer in New Zealand. Hello BBC. So as a result, the first five minutes Tom will sound a little bit fuzzy, then we realise there's a mistake and Tom puts his proper microphone on like the consumer professional he is. We've had a lot of comments just in the last 24 hours, yeah, we've haven't we? have had a bit we? of a, a bundle, yes, including someone saying, less talking, more jokes. I mean, <laughs> we kind of cram, we kind of cram <laughs> them in. Bless you for your comment if this makes the cut, but we do... <laughs> yeah, so I'm reading it. Less talky-talky, more jokey-jokey, please. <laughs> more cock jokes. <laughs> Silly accents, more of them. But we've had some really nice comments on social media as well from people, including from a nice lady who uh, said that she really enjoys us, but we occasionally use too many words for female genitalia. (laughs) All I'd say in defence of that is that we also use an equal number of words for male genitalia. Uh, although I can exactly. see where she's, we're being... I, I can see where she's coming from because as men we're probably more qualified to use male, <laughs> male insults. So I will endeavour today to only <laughs> call people dickheads and cocks and uh, uh, not twats, fannies, or and anything if we else. We refer to vaginas. <laughs> we'll just go vagina. Well, I actually the one word. I actually am referring to vaginas in mind today. <laughs> Are you? Okay. Well, let's decide now what we're going to call them: chuffs, <laughs> muffs. Chuffy Muffies. <laughs> Vag. F- oh no, f- is an awful word. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible come one. Come on, Tom. <laughs> that, isn't it? What a horrible Joe, name. Joe, I might just, uh, because that's such a horrible word, I might just for comedy effect just bleep that out and people will have to guess what you just said. <laughs> well, I'm going to follow it with and if it's worse than <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got to be bad. Might be, a, might be a secret new rude word. People are thinking, what could be worse than <laughs> That's just one of the many secrets of the vagina, Tom, which as men we will never truly understand the magic of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, thank dear. you for your wonderful comments. They're much appreciated. We also got a really good email with a book recommendation from one listener who has suggested a topic which I think we should do, but we'll come on to that later. Okay. We seem to have accidentally started the podcast, don't we? <laughs> Yeah, we, we were sort of, just we, having our usual pre-podcast chat for twenty minutes. We've sort of fallen off our bicycle into it, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> sort of tumbled down a bank into the podcast. I'm back from outer space. Don't come around here with that look upon your face. How am I sounding? Am I sounding sexy? As, as sexy as ever. Yeah. Am I sounding like Burt Bacharach? More Bert and Ernie than Bert Bacharach, but yeah, you're here. We've got you. <laughs> okay, good. I'm back and it's smooth. Like Frank Sinatra, old Mickey Pink Eyes or whatever they used to call him. <laughs> uh, yeah, close enough. That's what Marilyn Monroe used to call him. Anyway. <laughs> hello and welcome back, Tom. And hello and welcome, audience, to That Was Genius, the history podcast in which Tom, the man on his proper microphone now... Hello. Hello. And me, Sam, the man who's always on his proper microphone... Uh, discuss history topics on a theme each week. The topic's decided the week in advance, but everything else is a surprise. You all know the drill. What's the topic this week, Tom? The topic is charlatanism. Quackery. Charlatans and quacks, yes. Bullshit mongers. <laughs> well, I was going to ask Tom, what is a charlatan? But they are essentially bullshit mongers, aren't they? Yeah, it, it seems to have more of a medical connotation, though, doesn't it, with charlatanism? It's more people trying to peddle a health product that's that's bullshit, I yeah. think. I think it's it's the kind of thing where if you went into a health food shop and saw it incredibly overpriced on a shelf, that's charlatanism. Product like, yeah. for example, Manuka honey, 
or flax seeds. Yeah. Products with no medical benefit whatsoever sold as Good for your bowels, medicine. though. Oh, excellent, yes. <laughs> not going to cure your cancer. Fake cures and the people who peddle them. <laughs> Vegetables, good. Not so good as a cure for cancer. Yeah. It's yeah. just about that fine line, isn't it? It is. Tap water, delicious, excellent, very good for you. Homeopathy, mm. tap water. <laughs> <laughs> Homeopathy just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, does it? No, this idea that if you if water sees something, it remembers it, and that means it's still a cure. Yeah, but most tap water's got a mixture of cocaine and semen in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and mm, it's, um, memories. <laughs> Councils monitor uh, levels of things like methamphetamine in water, don't they? Yeah. To to see how much methamphetamine is being used. Uh, certainly, that's the case in Christchurch. There's quite a lot of methamphetamine in New Zealand, I think. So yeah, d- d- what sort of memories? Yeah, you know, childhood holidays, <laughs> ice creams by the beach, football, jumpers for goalposts. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it marvelous? <laughs> 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 surely you know all you'd need is one person taking homeopathic medicine in the whole world to piss and then suddenly we'd all get cured because it would get super 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 powerful when it got flushed into the sea that's true yes we would all have our lactose intolerance cured yeah <laughs> <laughs> no more wind <laughs> hooray quick homeopathic oh. practitioners of the world piss in the sea <laughs> Cure us all. National piss in the sea day for homeopathic <laughs> medicine men. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is a subject probably close to both of our hearts, isn't it? Because both of our significant others yes. are doctors. And, and both of us have common or, or sense. Or as I like to call them, achievers. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Yes, so we, we, we're very rational people, aren't we, Sam? Oh, we are, um, yes. Yeah, we're very rational people. Intelligent, some would say. Yeah, better than others. Some would say, <laughs> smarter, modest. Than the <laughs> yes. So, have you found this week, Tom? I've gone saucy. Have you? I've gone saucy. <laughs> very, very saucy. <laughs> and this is my saucy song. <laughs> I have a book. I've read the book. Here are some quotes from the book. Because hey. if I read quotes from the book, it means I don't have to do too much writing. If I read quotes from the book, my notes can be patchy at best. Hey, I've got a source. We've got a source. Yes, it's a history podcast. That was beautiful. <laughs> I don't know where the strong desire to, to have a hoedown came from, but well, I'm glad. I'm glad we went there. Whew. I've had my morning hoedown. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling refreshed. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've got a good source. It's suitably silly. It's slightly rude. Boom. Excellent. What about you? I've got a great story. I'm spoilt for choice this week. I was literally up until about an hour before we started recording. I write my <laughs> write my notes very last minute. I was still umming and ahhing about which to do. very unusual, for you, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I, mean, I remember you at university and you were always very well prepared. I was. <laughs> literally nothing got written <laughs> within about three hours of it being due. <laughs> you were one of those people who on your desk just had a pile of various different types of stimulant. 24 hours before an exam. <laughs> Red Bull, coffee, methamphetamine, ecstasy. <laughs> That'll get me through. And the real power one, 
homeopathic go water. <laughs> Once pissed in by Usain Bolt. <laughs> it's a, a habit that served me well through life. Here's a dull detail for the audience. Before I did this, I was a newsroom journalist, so I used to write news bulletins, which meant that I had to write new scripts every 20 minutes and then read them out immediately, so I really don't function with any kind of pre-preparation whatsoever. Wow, that must have been a high-pressure job. It is a high-pressure job, Tom, unlike podcast producing, which is fucking easy. <laughs> I'm still in my pyjamas. A charming tartan red number, a bit, uh, bit kind of Rupert the Bear-esque. <laughs> bit Bay City Rollers. Very nice. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm dressed like Donny Osmond, so we're, <laughs> we've got seventies, fourteen-year-old heartthrobs sorted. Sweet, today. like the matinee idols we are. <laughs> right, but yes, to go back to your original question, I found a fantastic story, which uh, has thoroughly entertained me and is also quite shocking, which I like. Excellent, edgy, edgy, dark, yeah. Ooh. dark. Mysterious. Maybe you should do that. Let's take this dark. It's like that's what you do to Batman films, don't you? You sort of make them dark. Yes, a gritty reboot. Yeah, let's make it gritty and dark. Like yeah, a gritty remake of the cool. Teletubbies they did. Yeah, yeah, where they're all in which <laughs> Tubby, Tubby, heroin. yeah, Tubby Toast is just a <laughs> it's street slang, <laughs> crack cocaine and bath salts. <laughs> And the, the Hoover comes in, injecting <laughs> heroin straight into his eyeballs. Uh, yeah, sucking uh, off Tinky Winky for a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Sniffing up a massive line of coke. <laughs> <laughs> and the sun's been replaced with that scene from Train Spotting where he dives into the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's find something med- medical related to Flip, shall we? Oh, go on, let me root around through my wife's confidential medical notes. Ah, patient Jane Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) I do actually have something medical. I've got a dental appointment slip. There we go. Which side do you want, Tom? Do you want the smiling lips? What time is your dental appointment, Sam? It was supposed to be on the 5th of November, but they cancelled it, the bastards. I'll try again. What time is your dental appointment, Sam? Oh, uh, 2.30, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Give me a chance to redeem myself. That's podcast chemistry. That, that is isn't. the way we seamlessly set each other up. Do you want the side with the sexy smiling lady, Tom, or the side with the slightly gynecological looking toothpaste? Right. Um, stock imagery, kids. <laughs> Thanks, Shutterstock. <laughs> Other stock Gynecolo- photo services. You, you were you were once a Shutterstock model, weren't you, for someone jogging through a park? Yes, I was. Yes, I have done stock photo shoots for kind of fitnessy type things, yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean I did, but you can't, you can't call them that, Tom. You have to call them people with flidity now. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I will have the gynecological vagina paste. Okay. Okay. Mm, minty fresh. <laughs> right. That has gone behind my desk, so I'm not getting that back. I'm going to assume you've won. Okay, right, I'll go first. How's that? Good. Let's get on with this. Right, here's my, here's my saucy sauce. Well, ten for me, because the first ten minutes were spent <laughs> on the wrong microphone, and I'm on part two of my recording. The Piss Prophet. That is my book for today, The Piss Prophet. Oh, my favourite certain... death metal band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Piss Prophets. It does very much sound like a band. 
Uh, lead guitar is easy, isn't it? That's got to be Slash. Um, <laughs> is that, was that a pre-planned joke, or was that just very quick <laughs> off the mark? <laughs> I'm very quick off the mark, Sam. We could have J- Jimmy Riddle on bass, couldn't we? <laughs> Bruce Tinklestein. <laughs> <What? laughs> we need a drummer. How about David Grohl? <laughs> wow. How about Ringo? Ah, <laughs> that'd be good, one, Yeah, we could also we could also hopefully include Tom Wetty. That'd be good. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it's a very odd band you made. This <laughs> <laughs> too many personalities. I think we need. Yeah, we need to cull some of them. I also had I also had written down David Pooey. Um, <laughs> 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 Not the best one. <laughs> and yet, also the best one. <laughs> uh, so there we go. I was trying David to think Flowey. of a band member. <laughs> David Flowey, that's slightly better. I was trying to think of a famous musician whose name rhymed with the urinal, and I struggled, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> the, the Piss Prophet, or Certain Piss Pot Lectures by Thomas Bryan, published first in 1637. This is my my topic for this week. Yeah. Piss Prophets, what a wonderful name. He also, this chap, Thomas Bryan, refers to Piss Prophets as Piss Mongers in this book, <laughs> which I think is an excellent phrase, Piss Mongers. There's a door-to-door salesman who's struggling, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Fish Mongers, yeah. Cheesemongers, <laughs> fine. Who will buy my beautiful urine? Well hydrated, <laughs> fresh off the... <laughs> Fresh out the pan. <laughs> You've turned it into a musical. Yeah, it's so from. Uh, what's that song from? It's uh, Oliver Twist, isn't it? Was oh, is it an Oliver Twist number? Yeah. I was thinking, what's that? What's that musical set um, with with lots of American sailors? Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, it's not New York, is it? On the town. Is it on the town? Possibly that one. Um, anyway, yeah, I was imagining that lots of lots of sailors sort of dancing around with, with their with their broads, <laughs> urinating off the side of the ship. <laughs> yeah, just mopping the street and jumping like tap dancing in the puddles, <laughs> singing in the rain. <laughs> I'm singing in urine. I'm singing in urine. What a glorious feeling, relieved again, <laughs> with a smile on my face and a patch on my pants. <laughs> the occasional pop coming out from my behind. Um, I used to train. God, this is like that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when everyone sings in musicals. Is that, That's a niche nineties TV reference. We haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah, yeah it's like not quite British enough though. No, it's, we, I used to train a primary school teacher who told me that a lot of the boys at the primary school have this thing called a three sixty that they do in the toilets, <laughs> which is where they're having a piss in the urinal, and there'll be a group of them, and then one of them will shout three sixty. Looks spin round pissing. That sounds very very much like. <laughs> Something little boys would do in a school toilet. <laughs> Not a good idea for anyone involved, is it? A terrible idea. And that is exactly why it's exactly the kind of thing that small boys would do in a toilet. I mean, that's, I remember I remember the competition to see who could piss highest. Yes. I mean, that, or fur- that. Or furthest from the urinal, yeah. <laughs> Standing the other side of the there's corridor. A, yeah, there's always someone who's a bit overambitious. <laughs> Excellent. So, yes, um, uroscopy, Sam. 
This is the practice of examining... <laughs> My favourite Greek playwright. <laughs> <laughs> the practice of examining someone's urine to establish the cause of sickness. No, it wasn't the ancient Greek playwright. Although we will refer to the ancient Greeks because uroscopy has been common throughout Greek history. I might jump ahead slightly in my notes, Sam. No, don't. I came don't. across. Do you? <laughs> I, came, I, I came across an ancient Greek uh, writer on topics related to medicine called Soranus. <laughs> yes, Soranus yes, before? I have. I did a whole essay on Soranus at university. Soranus of Ephesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor man. Anyway, so uroscopy <laughs> has been commonplace throughout history. We're talking 1637 here. So during this period there were massive advancements in medicine. So 1637 is at the end of the Renaissance and shortly before the Enlightenment. So a significant period in Western Europe's intellectual development, established ideas were being challenged, and there's an increasingly rational and scientific way of looking at things. Have you noticed how I've tried to get this back on track <laughs> rather abruptly? <laughs> after after the, Slick. <laughs> the copious piss jokes. Anyway. Well, more jokey-jokey, less talky-talky, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, during this period, there were clashes between old superstitious nonsense and the more sceptical science-based reasoning. As we explored last week, the battle between reason and bullshit was fought well up through the Victorian <laughs> period and is still being fought today, isn't it, Sam? Certainly <clears throat> is. Apple cider vinegar, <clears throat> anti-vaxxers, <clears throat> Netflix <laughs> veganism documentaries. <clears throat> during the first half of the 17th century... Uroscopy basically became alternative medicine and was the subject of much satire, so there were quite a few references in Shakespeare to people having their piss examined. Humorous references. Shakespeare was filth. All the best cutting-edge media icons <laughs> are dirty and filthy and have rude senses of humour, Sam. Absolutely, yes. Just like us. Forward thinking, and, it's the future. <laughs> yes. So this tongue-in-cheek document from Thomas Bryan sits in that setting, historical setting. The very fact that this is a subject of satire suggests that it's very popular and prevalent, piss profits. Yes. So a lot of them were around. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Euroscopy has been, been practised for a long time, very popular with ancient Greeks, and it kind of makes sense at a very basic level because it's something that comes from the inside of you to the outside and thus would suppose, you know, there's logic behind thinking it gives an indication of what's going on inside you. It's also far easier to collect than farts and burps and less smelly than poo. Yes. So it's the best one, <laughs> isn't it? Thanks, piss. Available now from your local piss Come on, granddad. You'd really need to fill that balloon for the doctor to analyse your sickness. You really do. <laughs> <laughs> His granddad bends over in his Sunday best, <laughs> trying to pump up a balloon. <laughs> and which did make me think, if you let go of a balloon that is full of fart... Yes. Does it make a double fart noise as it's whizzing around the room? I don't think it's the being of fart that makes a fart sound like a fart. <laughs> I think it's the expulsion of fart. So I'm going to go, for scientific reasons, with single fart rather than multiple fart. <laughs> That sounded wonderful. Can you go back to that bit about the being of fart? Yes. Because that sounded like it could be the title of a philosophical the work. work of Voltaire. Yeah. <laughs> the being of fart. Yes. The yeah, process of good. being fart, of embodying fart, does not in itself imbibe sound. <laughs> it's a very important question that we it need is. to ask, if I a, feel. If a tree falls in the wood, <laughs> does it make a double guff? <laughs> 
No, Gus no one's around. Word, isn't it? Anyway, wait, wait, where was I? Uh, yeah, so it's been around a long time. But remember, people, just because something has been around for a long time doesn't make it automatically good. Think Mel Gibson. <laughs> Think Nickelback. And that's quite common, though, isn't it? It's quite common, just because something is old, that it has an aura yes. of credibility. And it's not true. And there's some examples. I joked about apple cider vinegar. Prince that Philip. That goes back to Hi- Hippocrates. <laughs> Prince Philip. No, he's never had an aura of credibility, I don't think. <laughs> apple cider vinegar goes as far back as Hippocrates. Serenus of Ephesus. So Serenus of Ephesus, he thought that sneezing and squatting after sex was a perfectly good form of contraception. <laughs> I mean, also a good way of covering the floor. Anyway, so um, leeching, I very mean, old. What kind of sex good. has Serenus been having, Tom, that squatting well, is going to help? <laughs> I can't think. I can't think. If only something was giving us a suggestion as to what yes. type of sex he liked. <laughs> God, I can't work it out. Good old Serenus of Savlon, or whatever Greek land he's from. <laughs> Serenus of Anusol. <laughs> yes, so uriscopologists, and I made that word up, um, actually had... <laughs> that sounds like someone who's trying to escape from urine. Sorry, I'm going to shut up and let you talk, because we've been going for a very long time now, and it's a very very silly episode so far. And it's, and it's a very sensible subject. It's a very serious <laughs> subject. Uriscopologists, what you imagine... <laughs> <laughs> tied up in a tied yeah, up like Houdini in a massive vat of chains around them. Straight jackets. In a vat of piss, yeah. <laughs> lots of drunk lots of drunk men staggering around, <laughs> pissing in it. <laughs> so he's desperately trying to get out, taking it very seriously. And now I would escape from a giant vat of urine. <laughs> yes. Uh, why does it have to be urine, Harry Houdini? I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't add anything to the escape. <laughs> no. I just like it, OK? <laughs> I find it's good for my skin. Yes. And besides, when in a Russian hotel room. <laughs> oh, very good. Talking of... Anyway. Um, a, a uriscopologists... Stop saying it. <laughs> had, actually had a wheel of urine that they used <laughs> when assessing people's piss. So it's like the Wheel of Fortune, except nobody really wins. <laughs> and when you spin it, it's like a Catherine wheel. <laughs> Everybody Ooh, wins. Ah, golden shower. <laughs> I love fireworks night. Um, it is probably worth noting that in modern medicine, urine is still assessed for a few things. Now, this is interesting. I was told this by a surgeon. In 1674, an English doctor named Thomas Willis described diabetic urine as wonderfully sweet, as if it were imbued with honey and sugar. And in fact, the term, the medical term diabetes mellitus translates to something like sweet pass-through, if you take it back to its origins. Interesting. Whereas the term diabetes insipidus translates to something like pass-through that is lacking zesty taste. (laughs) <laughs> there you go there we go that's a bake-off review and a half isn't it <laughs> lacking zesty taste and an incredibly soggy bottom <laughs> indeed <laughs> so i've already spent far too long not actually talking about the source so let's get to the source right okay okay i found the original document online sam and it's written in early modern english and it was forty thousand words long so that would have been quite a bit of effort yeah <laughs> That would have been quite a lot of effort. So 
I decided I'd cut it back. So um, my dedication has its limits. So I've chopped it back and I read the preface, the first few chapters and the last chapter. <laughs> I read the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read the start and the finish and none of the plot. I found out <laughs> what happened at the start, where it all went and nothing about how that happened. And in the end, Harry defeated the Piss Lord and... <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prophets of Piss. Ooh. <laughs> There's got to be a good joke here. Clean up on platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> Lord Pissamore. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so here's a quote. Wherein are newly discovered the old fallacies, deceit and juggling of pisspot science used by all those, whether quacks and empirics or other methodical physicians, who pretend knowledge of disease by the urine in giving judgment of the same. That's what this book is about, Sam. He's criticising those people who think they can find out what's wrong with people through their piss. Okay. So, quick summary of, of what happens here. Thomas Bryan states in the preface that he's used these tricks in the past to make money, so he himself was a bit of a piss prophet. And he uses the example of how he conned someone into thinking that he can tell if a lady is pregnant based on her urine. And in fact, he was simply using common sense and cold reading to make a prediction. So he would ask a few questions about the individual um, whilst looking at the piss and not make his decision based on anything to do with the urine, but based on what he'd been told. Based on the fact you're in the third trimester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a big bump. Yeah. His motives it seems to be was just to shed light on these charlatans because he'd come round to the realisation that actually it was wrong and it seems to be that cold reading is key here uh, for listeners who don't know cold reading is a trick used by charlatans across the globe mediums spiritualists people taking these big church congregations where they pretend to feel that someone's had an auntie die it's it's cold reading so they will try and say things that sound smart and intuitive when actually they're just common sense or they'll pick up on something from someone and work away at that to try and say things that, that, that seem insightful yeah it's quite a skill good performance it's not medically very valid performance <laughs> yes <laughs> if someone comes to the piss prophet with a sick person's piss, the prophet tries to find out as much as possible before, subtly before making a prediction. And here's an example that Thomas Bryan gives. So the prophet establishes whether or not the sick individual is very sick or only slightly sick. If this individual is very sick, he says, oh, the piss is very red. This indicates that the sick individual must have a fever. Well, that's highly likely, isn't it? Because most people who are very sick would have had a fever. And the prophet then describes lots of symptoms that are closely associated with a fever with apparent miraculous insight. Here's a great sentence, incidentally, um, as part of this source, when Thomas Bryan's talking about predicting these sicknesses. Quote, And the stitch was nothing else but a flatuous and windy humour proceeding from thence. Thought that was a nice sentence. Just thought I'd put that in. <laughs> <laughs> flatuous and windy humour. That's us, really, isn't it? That could, yes, that could describe our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, once the prophet has got up ahead of steam with the bullshit, the person who brought the piss usually then starts dropping more hints because they th they, they, they suddenly think that the, the piss prophet is a genius. These hints are usually regarding the age of the individual, the gender, all those sort of things. And the piss prophet will pick up on these and then start nibbling away at those to make himself sound even smarter. And to finish, here's the key thing. The piss prophet makes a pessimistic prognosis and prescribes some medicine. And this way, if the individual gets better, 
the prophet seems like a genius. If they die, he was right because he had a pessimistic prognosis. (laughs) So it's a win-win situation for the piss prophet. It is. Here we go to finish off. Brian finishes by giving you tips on who to visit if you're looking after someone who is sick. Let me give you some quotes here. This is in uh, early modern English, so it's a bit of a mouthful. Markham, who predicates himself to ignorant people that he was Bachelor of Arts in Clare Hall and pupil and kinsman unto Dr. Butler in Cambridge, a Master of Arts of St. John's in Cambridge, a Master of a Hospital, and one of the Fellows of the College of the Physician in Page, London, and all these lies for he never was otherwise than a shoemaker, bred and brought up, save only that he became a last maker, and this no other but an ass. Though he pretending the great learning amongst silly people, who understand not one word of Latin. Cool, that's a bite, isn't it, at the end? You silly people who don't <laughs> understand Latin. No, that's me. That's really insulting, isn't it? He really yeah. knows how to twist a knife. So translate that for the, for the layman, Tom. That's quite a, quite <laughs> was, it, was it that difficult to understand? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically referring to a chap in London who is a piss prophet who pretends he's got lots and lots of great qualifications from wonderful universities and he's worked at the top hospitals and he is just a shoemaker. Um, that's all he is. He's a shoemaker and an arse and he's lying. There we that's go. basically <laughs> what that says. Here's another quote. Such another is Dr. George, another shoemaker living about Westminster. And we jump a little bit ahead. Unto such knaves, or else to which witches and conjurers, whom you term cunning men and women, you are carried, though they are the most violent, base, ignorant asses in the world, with more confidence than to the most learned, honest physician that can be. And then if you chance to recover, you impute the cause thereof to such a rascal, never considering that it was God's providence. When you speak to doctors about things like alternative medicine, what frustrates them most is how convinced alternative medicine practitioners are about their cure yes. which is something that someone qualified as a doctor will never be because they will always give you the probability they always say well actually it could possibly be this and the likelihood is this and actually you've got a strong chance of getting better but you might get worse they always package everything with the pros and the cons because they know the bigger picture whereas someone peddling shite yes. will say nah 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 I've got a cure for you what you need to do is you need to eat this flexi you need to shove this flexi up your bum three times a day and you're going to get bitter yep. and they, they've just got that great level yogurt of confidence yogurt enemas, have a yogurt enema it will definitely definitely cure whatever is wrong with you yogurt Ooh. both ways <laughs> yogurt enemas where did that come from Mm. <laughs> I actually got that from my research. You know the Kellogg family. Oh yeah. Inventor of cornflakes. The inventor of the cornflake, who actually didn't run the Kellogg company, but he did invent the cornflake, had some very, very odd medical preferences and were very successful quack, frankly. And um, one of his favourites was yogurt both ways, a yogurt enema whilst eating yogurt. So <laughs> what's that supposed to achieve? Why do you have to do the same both things at the same time? What nonsense. Well I think yogurt generally probiotic quite good for you. Yogurt enemas Oh, it's just fun sticking things up your bum, isn't it? <laughs> Probiotic apparently is bullshit as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've spoken to the my senior paediatrician in Christchurch about probiotics after after antibiotics. So pharmacies will try and peddle some probiotics after someone's been on a course of antibiotics. And she said that they put children through much, much harder, more heavy-duty antibiotics and never, ever give them probiotics afterwards because their stomachs just adapt. Your body's evolved for millions of years to cope. You don't need apple cider vinegar to alkalize your stomach. It's going to do fuck all because your stomach's <laughs> going to maintain homeostasis. 
So anyway, I don't. Obviously, you and I don't know because we're not medical, are we? We're skceptical, but we're not medical. Yeah. So yeah, they have a, so piss profits is very very interesting because all the things in this document are very familiar to anyone who's worked in the fitness industry. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know, I know. I've seen a lot of this. It's very interesting. So he there says, you have it. staring at his BCAAs. <laughs> oh God, no! Don't get me started. I'm <laughs> far out. Branch chain amino acids, or as I like to call them overpriced yoghurt bullshit it's just nonsense I've had people drinking that during training sessions and I've had the discussion with them and I said right the potential benefits you're getting from drinking that stuff probably not as great as the benefits you'd get from fucking training and eating less because <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't do any of the training sessions well you would say that wouldn't you Tom's the man who sells training sessions you charlatan prick <laughs> <laughs> You big quack. This is how they get you, audience. This is how they get you. The cold reading that personal trainers do, one of the classic ones, you'll do a free induction for someone at a gym and they'll walk in and you'll look at them and you go, mm, yes, you've got an injury, haven't you? And they'll go, yeah, how could you tell? And you say, mm, well, remind me which side is it? And they'll go, it's my left knee. And I'll like, <laughs> yeah, because you actually walk slightly funny on your left knee. Your left leg's a little bit different. Do a squat, please. And they'll do a squat and you go, oh, yeah, look at what's going on with that left leg. And you'll be like, Bollocks! <laughs> Total bollocks! So there you have it. Sorry, Sam. Good, good, good. No, I, I've, I've enjoyed these rants. <laughs> I like this podcast. This this episode's good. It's got lots of silliness, but also a message. <laughs> Moving on before this becomes a completely new and different podcast about bullshit in the fitness industry that we should probably do. <laughs> yeah, but that could be another episode. There's a side project we could take on. Uh, that was very interesting. And, uh, you know, they, they still use uh, kind of colour charts for piss a bit today. Have you ever heard the phrase one to four? I think it's one to four, drink no more, four to eight, you must hydrate. And it's basically a colour wheel. <laughs> it's a, yeah, 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 yeah. Of how yeah. much you should drink in a day. Interestingly, my, my bedroom wall's done in number three. Is it? No. <laughs> it's, it's a... A, a paint or have you just pissed all over <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> Did you Lux have that as one of their colour ranges? Yeah, they do. <laughs> dehydrated piss. <laughs> oh, I think that's a lovely colour you've got in your kitchen. Yes, it's dehydrated piss. <laughs> yes. Morning mist, also known as minor UTI. Oh, slash. <laughs> yeah. Cloudy apple juice. That's what I've got at the conservatory. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Tom, uh, I'm going to talk about charlatan today. Hooray! That is the topic. That's what we're talking about. That's a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Thank fuck. I do have a bit of a habit of doing this, and basically I kind of start this week where we left off last week a little bit because I get inspired by the things we were talking about last week and and kind of start off down that route. So today, Tom, I'm doing a ghost again. (laughs) And also a medium. (laughs) Oh, you did a ghost and a medium again, are you? Yeah, absolutely, Excellent. But... This is a rather different and very odd story of a Brazilian urban legend which has resulted in probably hundreds of deaths through medical negligence <laughs> and still hey. does to this day. Hooray! Excellent. It's also, there's a curse attached to it as well. Brilliant. Excellent. So, Tom, this is the story of Dr. Fritz, the fallen of World War One, who probably didn't exist and certainly doesn't grant mystical surgical powers to Brazilian con men. Oh, no. Yes. Okay, this is back alley surgery, is it? Yep. Although, let's be honest, Tom, this isn't the first time a supposedly dead German has wound up in South America. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey! And this also is not the only time I will be making that joke. So, it's the late 1800s, Tom. We're going to start at the beginning. It's the late 1800s, and we are in Munich. What a happy day, Tom. What a happy day. Little baby Adolf is born which is a phrase that will get you put on a blacklist. (laughs) But this is a very different Adolf Tom. This is Adolf Fritz, which is the most Germanic name in the world. It is, Um, isn't it? That's very German. It's very, very German. Now, according to Fritz himself, his father suffered from asthma, and so at a very young age, on the advice of the family doctor, the family moved to Poland for the better climate. Again, Tom, it's not the (laughs) first time Adolf has moved to Poland. (laughs) (laughs) the better climate also known as Lebensraum <laughs> yes <laughs> it's nice to have so much fresh air and space isn't it it's all about the space yeah. in Poland yeah Ooh, that'd be a lovely <laughs> camp over there that would be nice wouldn't it we're lovely, all going getaway. on a summer holiday <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like Heidi High in Poland <laughs> Heidi Heil Guten Morgen, campus! <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> With a little glock in the spiel going... Dung, 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 uh, and now dung, for the <laughs> lovely lady competition. Will you all your lovely ladies come and stand in the line? Please? <laughs> yes. We will assess the lovely ladies. <laughs> Not smiling. Heidi High. British sitcom <laughs> from the um, 80s. Oh, God, 70s, 80s. 80s. Yeah, very, very yeah. old rubbish sitcom about holiday camps <laughs> Heidi Heil oh that's definitely there is definitely a very inappropriate sitcom to be made out of that Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a project for the weekend right anyway back to Dr Fritz so the family moved to Poland in the beginning of the 20th century they were very poor and Fritz was forced to work to support the family and studied medicine in his spare time on his own. And his story goes that shortly before World War One, and just as he was about to graduate, a German officer came into his office with his very sick daughter, who quickly died despite Fritz's best efforts to save her. Good start to your career. <laughs> yeah, great start, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if they've got a similar thing in Christchurch, but they have a thing in the UK called Black Wednesday, which is the first day that all of the newly graduated doctors start practicing and it's a wednesday in august and the death rate in the uk soars yeah you could statistically yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and uh yeah the doctors call it black wednesday anyway great start to his career the general also blamed him for the death of his daughter and had him tried for murder in jail he was allegedly tortured and so escaped as soon as he could and fled to estonia where he died in 1918 in another interview, Fritz said that that bit actually didn't happen and that he died as a German army medic in the trenches in 1918. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Fritz was being interviewed about how and where he died? Yes. Because, Tom, the interviews with Fritz and the reason they're two different interviews in which he gave different answers were conducted from beyond the grave. Right. But... <laughs> so that wasn't, that wasn't a mistake on your part. No. OK. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they okay. were being conducted from beyond the grave by Brazilian surgeons with no actual medical qualifications claiming to be inhabited by the spirit of Dr Adolf Fritz. Right. Now, the thing is, Tom... Why did they choose Dr Adolf Fritz who had only ever seen one patient and then died? Why didn't they choose a successful surgeon? Tom, you can't choose who you're inhabited by. True. You don't get to choose who you're possessed by, really. Not if you're a Pakistani worker in the Middle East, you don't. (laughs) 
Very true. <laughs> that is a very good Saudi Arabia building World Cup stadiums joke. <laughs> or indeed, just general modern slavery and housework joke, isn't it? Yeah. Nice. Political. <laughs> the thing about Dr. Adolf Fritz is the very interesting thing, Tom, which will come as a huge surprise to you, given the in-depth interviews he's been giving from Beyond the Grave, is that he actually never existed. What? Right. There is no Dr. Adolf Fritz of Munich or Warsaw on the German army roll or electoral register from the period. People have looked into this. In fact, there is no evidence at all that anyone like this ever existed. Oh, come on. Such a stereotypical name. Surely there was an Adolf Fritz. Oh, well, there was, but never a doctor living at that time, as far as we as, who kind of lived matches any of those characteristics as far as we know and yet tom he is currently inhabiting the body of four or five different faith healers in brazil where he is yeah he certainly is where he's one of their most beloved and believed urban legends so is dr fritz the figment of overactive con man's imagination or as his supporters have claimed is it just a pseudonym created to protect the identity of the real dead surgeon? I mean, who knows, Tom? Who knows? It's a fucking mystery, it's a mystery. I can tell you. It's a mystery. <laughs> Why on earth would a dead fucking surgeon try to protect his identity? Does he fear for his family? <laughs> Does God not like you leaving the pearly gates at night to heal the sick and poorly in Brazilian slums? Maybe there's like a witch hunt going on in heaven. <laughs> Maybe there is. You've got to just look out. It's like a McCarthy witch hunts. Yeah, maybe he's under investigation, so he needs to keep a low profile. By God's secret police. Yeah, maybe he's under investigation by the RIPIs. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, anyway, what is known is that Fritz waited a bit of time between dying and taking up medicine again because the first man he inhabited, as far as we know, is a bloke called Zay Arrigo, a faith healer from the 1950s. I don't know, Tom, quite why there'd be a demand for German military surgeons in Brazil just a few years after World War II, I've got no idea. But for some reason, suddenly there was a demand for them. I am from Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was born and bred in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> yes. And uh, my favourite things is barbecued meat and invading Poland. Sorry, I mean, uh, sorry, I mean, uh, trekking in the rainforest. <laughs> Incidentally, I also very much like Volkswagen. Have you got any jobs going? <laughs> yes, a sudden demand for German surgeons. And here one was, a great surgeon inhabiting the body of someone who clearly was very qualified for medical professional work, Tom. The body of a former miner yes. who'd only stayed in school until the age of eight or nine and couldn't actually read or write. Perfect. The perfect subject. Better qualified than a lot of chiropractors. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And nutritionists as well. Actually. Yes, true. True. <laughs> not a protected term. Go to a dietitian, folks, if you have proper problems with your diet. <laughs> yes. Not a nutritionist. Dietitians, qualified. Nutritionists. Could be good, could be shit. Who knows? Although if they were good, they'd probably be dietitians. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Yes. And this is where it gets a bit grim, Tom, because... Zaya Rigo, as well as being a basically illiterate former miner, was very, very poor and wasn't able to afford specialised medical equipment like scalpels. He also, Tom, had a World War I understanding of infection and medical treatments. Arrigo would perform surgery during a supposed meditative trance in which the doctor was inhabiting him with rusty kitchen knives. Ooh. Now... You might think, Tom, that people would steer clear of a supposed doctor who was possessed by a spirit but also had black lung and a bread knife. 
<laughs> You'd think that might raise some alarm bells, but no, Tom. Where was a helmet no. with a torch on it in the, <laughs> in the theatre? <laughs> yeah, just just one of those yeah, German army pickle pals. <laughs> Had a pickaxe slung over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. No, you'd be wrong, Tom, if you thought that people would steer clear of this guy because he became an absolute celebrity throughout Brazil in the 1950s after apparently removing a tumour from a well-known and popular senator. And completely killing the senator in the process. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for murdering a politician. <laughs> I got the tumour out. <laughs> Some mutilated corpse <laughs> yes. lies bleeding on, on the... <laughs> It took a couple of attempts to find it, uh, but you know it's. We're new to this. The doctor's still trying to work out how to use my hands. We started with the wrong leg, but um, we quickly established. But eventually, we removed the tumor from his lung. <laughs> oh, crikey! Yeah. This made him an absolute celebrity and thousands, thousands of people who lost their trust in traditional medicine flocked to see him at his clinic in the small city of uh, Congonas. I'm not entirely sure where in Brazil that is. He would write up nonsense prescriptions for unknown medicines that happened to only be available at one pharmacy run by his brother across the road. <laughs> it was full of coal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, do you know, coal tar was actually one of the ingredients that he used to put in injections for people and put in medications. Ooh. Yeah. He would actually, to be fair to him, he would very rarely actually perform operations. Usually he would use a sleight of hand to uh, draw <laughs> on leg. cuts and stitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A very good magician. <laughs> Quite the card shark. Yeah. <laughs> now she, now he don't. Is this your leg? <laughs> it is my leg. God, <laughs> did you know that? Pick a limb, any limb. <laughs> yes. So he would usually use sleights of hand. So he would have a, a blood a blood soaked cloth up his uh, up his sleeve, which he just push onto the pressure area of his ass. <laughs> Yeah, going back to last week. So he would push this blood-soaked rag onto people to make it look like he'd done some operation, but miraculously there was no scar. Mm. Or he would just simply touch the problem area to supposedly make it better. Don't. Is that kinesiology? That's kinesiology, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. Dangling crystals over someone and touching them. (laughs) Sounds like foreplay. That's a very odd fetish. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm picking up good vibrations. It's giving me excitations. So in 1956, he was convicted of illegally practising medicine, shock, fucking horror, and jailed, uh, but was very quickly pardoned by, literally, Tom, the president of Brazil himself. Wow. (laughs) That's the sway this guy had in Brazil. That's how stupid the president was. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's how thick that fucker was, who not only pardoned him, but allowed him to continue practising medicine. Which, given his work with curing tumours in uh, Brazilian senators, was probably actually a very quick way of getting rid of political opposition. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like cold. Go and see this former mining quack in a small town. (laughs) You'll be better in no time, (laughs) opposition (laughs) senator. Stalin never thought of this one. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, he went straight for the pickaxe, didn't he? (laughs) Trotsky murder joke. And again in 1962, so a few years later, he was arrested and jailed again for seven months for practising unlicensed medicine, shock horror, but was actually allowed to continue to treat inmates as a prison doctor. Right. <laughs> Despite specifically being jailed for not having a medical licence. Interesting that, isn't it? Yeah. Is that just in case he got rusty in his bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it seems, Tom, that 19th century Germans aren't familiar with Brazilian driving laws, which is unsurprising, because in 1971, Arrigo was killed in a car accident, as were 
the two men who claimed to be his successors as the spirits of Dr. Fritz, two brothers called Oscar and Edivaldo Wilde. Yes, Tom, Oscar, Oscar Wilde, Wilde. Yes. <laughs> the famous Brazilian faith healer and medium. <laughs> Oscar Wilde. Very good. Uh, yes, okay. Yes. So three people who claimed to be possessed by the spirit of Dr. Fritz all died in separate car crashes, which is where we start to get the curse. Next came a guy called Edison Quieros, I think that's how it's pronounced, who was actually a qualified gynaecologist, but clearly saw more money in fake medicine than the real stuff. Because from first being possessed in 1979, he treated hundreds of thousands of Brazilians whilst masquerading as Adolf Fritz, whilst also claiming to be using his real medical knowledge to improve the surgical techniques that Fritz had bought from the turn of the 20th century, adding more modern medical practice to it. He was so popular, Tom, he had a staff of 80 working under him and frequently performed mass surgeries on up to 100 people at once or indeed over the phone. (laughs) Surgeries over the phone, right, so flick it, okay... I'd like to find a knife. Okay, good. And a <laughs> yep. spoon. Have you got a toothbrush? Excellent. All yeah. of these will come in useful. <laughs> yeah. Now go and put them all up your bottom. And, <laughs> and get the scissors. And then we go see start. a qualified doctor. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for calling Adolf Fritz. Press one for tonsillectomies, two for cancer tumors. So he would do surgeries over the phone, and hundreds of thousands of people signed up to this the power of his amazing spiritual healing and the the good energy that he had. Unfortunately for the gynaecologist slash faith healer, this incredible melding of cervical smears and trench medicine (laughs) was was tragically cut short when Quiroz was murdered in his home in the late 1980s, giving rise properly at this point to the idea that not only is Dr Fritz a remarkable surgeon with incredible energy to uh, cure what ails you his spirit is also cursed to lead to the deaths of those he inhabits so this is where this curse really comes into being which means that literally these people they're not only doctors Tom they're not only performing a public service they are literally sacrificing everything to help heal including their lives they are superheroes what saints Tom comes great responsibility absolutely yeah which means you better put the prices up yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so (laughs) And so finally, Tom, we come to the big one. Rubens Farias Jr., who from 1986 has been practising as, again, the natural spiritual successor of Dr Fritz, out of a nightclub in the suburbs of Rio. Nice. Yes, by weekday, it's a doctor's surgery. At the weekends, not so much. It's very Brazilian, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I'd love the idea of having a consultation with a foam cannon and tequila shots. <laughs> Right, now, if you'd uh, just open your mouth and we'll take a look at your tonsils. Tequila, it makes me happy. <laughs> the old dentist's chair. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol being poured down his neck. Just drinking shots out of a surgical cavity. Just lean back there and uh, a, a disco ball lowers <laughs> yeah. from the ceiling. Yeah, he puts on a glass. Let's just take a look inside. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. I go to the dentist. And he sort of goes, scapula, please. And one of them just does a Saturday Night Fever style hand point with the scapula. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. You. Sexy nurses too. <laughs> Hip thrusting. DJ, play that song I like. <laughs> night fever, night fever. You've got a night fever. <laughs> Try this homeopathic medicine. <laughs> ah, 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 stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> 
Stand alive. You're not ah, going ah, to. Ah, ah, the prognosis isn't good. <laughs> well, Tom, he did actually claim a 60% treatment rate. Wow. Which actually isn't brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> good considering. He had no qualifications. Bad, considering that you'd hope for a survival rate of more than 60% yeah, as a doctor. Yeah. I wonder what the survival rate would have been for these people had they just stayed at home. 60%. <laughs> yes, odd that, isn't it? <laughs> Probably, roughly, in the ballpark of 58 to 62%. <laughs> But this guy, who was a former software developer, apparently he began to practice and allowed Fritz to inhabit his body in order to make his very ill daughter better. So this was despite dire warnings from the spirit of Fritz that it would eventually lead to his death. He was enormously, incredibly popular. 800 people a day visited him at his nightclub in Rio, including Superman actor Christopher Reeve. Oh, God. It's... Was one of his After uh, his accident. Clients. Yeah. Fuck yeah. me. This is where charlatanism becomes incredibly depressing, isn't it? Because it's an exploitation yes. <laughs> of people who are in a vulnerable position, who are trying Absolutely. anything to get well, including being treated by a, a non-existent spirit <laughs> yes. of a German surgeon. Including being given surgery by, at best, a man with 100-year-old qualifications and understanding of infection control, but is actually a software developer in a nightclub in Rio. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I mean, one thing that might have worked with the patients, Tom, have you tried turning them off and on again? I who <laughs> <laughs> So yes, very, very tragic, but also very funny, Tom, because unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, Rubens Farris Jr. would adopt a corny German accent when doing his surgeries. Brilliant. Q. <laughs> Q. He would in fact, Tom, yell at the line of patients waiting to schnell schnell. <laughs> When they, move too, when they move too slowly. <laughs> I mean, God, imagine doing a badly impersonated German for cheap laughs and commercial gain, eh? <laughs> That's brilliant. It's because he's got 800 Quickly. to get through. Have you worked out how many that is a minute? Uh, ooh, no, I haven't. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous That's number a lot of people. That is a lot of people. I mean, you'd have, yeah. to, I mean, you'd have to treat them in some sort of... I don't know, some large enclosed environment. You would, yes. Where you could yeah. get some sort of medication to them quickly without that medication getting anywhere else. Like a... Yeah. Like a, like yeah. a gas chamber. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe some sort of gas chamber. Maybe this will work. Heidi Heil. <laughs> oh, no. Even by our standards, that is a low joke. Oh dear! See, I thought you were going to go with the nightclub. I thought you were going back to the nightclub. I did not. I did not see the gas chambers coming. I should have done. But I no, no, because I know what you're going to say. Don't say. It. So bad. He, he he actually put on a bad German accent. Yes. So he was. Hey guys, come on uns <laughs> to mine to my doctor's surgery slash nightclub. Whilst <laughs> you're waiting, go have yourself a drink. We've got tequila. Uh, we've got medication on tap. That's very good. Would you like a pint of antibiotics? <laughs> Don't mind me whilst I just sit here and suture non-existent wounds whilst covered in mood. I'm sort of imagining Brazilian ladies sambering along, t- serving drinks dressed <laughs> as Bavarian yeah. beer wenches. Or just as World War One German soldiers, but sexy. Like Halloween costumes. Yeah. With a handlebar moustache, like a good German <laughs> officer. 
Where the fuck are we going with this? Oh, fuck knows. We've been talking far too long. All of this was going incredibly well for Farias. He had millions in the bank. He had yachts. He had cars. He had a Miami penthouse. And it was all going swimmingly until his divorce in the late 1990s, in which his ex-wife started throwing around, to frankly, awful, horrible allegations like... He's a tax evading con man. No. I mean, my God, I know, right? I mean, tax evasion, sure, but not actually being a healer. The fuck do these people have no so gratitude? So what you've told me about this man, he he just screams integrity. I, I don't believe that he wouldn't pay his taxes. I know. But there's some good news in this story, Tom, which we'll come on to in just a moment. He dies prematurely. Quite the opposite, Tom. The good news is, jumping ahead, he's still practising. Oh, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> So when his surgery was raided, the security guard claimed that three people had died at the clinic and been secretly transported to a local hospital. His ex-wife's brother, who'd been acting as his assistant, claimed that he'd used sleights of hand to pretend to be injecting patients and doing surgery whilst actually never touching them. Hence the fact that none of his patients, or very rarely, actually felt any pain or had any scar tissue. (laughs) And had a 60% success rate. (laughs) Yeah. Because they weren't being treated. <laughs> but what well, oddly, Tom, and actually more damaging for his reputation as a faith healer than anything else, was that he was found to be in possession of around a thousand cases of actual medicine, <laughs> antibiotics and the like. And so shock horror had actually been performing real treatments on some of his patients, which actually people were genuinely furious about. They were really angry that they'd been treated with antibiotics and not by the spirit of Dr. Fritz. What? I know. Most people actually, though, weren't given the good stuff, the actual antibiotics. Most people who were given injections were actually given a hideous mixture of iodine, alcohol and turpentine. Ooh, turpentine. Christ. Yeah. And so he fairly swiftly ended up on trial for a mixture of murder, tax evasion, charlatanism and money laundering. And yet people still believed, despite this in Dr Fritz and they still believe it today the chief officer in charge of the investigation was asked for his thoughts on the case and he told the press in my opinion I think Dr Fritz does exist but that Rubens Fari is doing things he shouldn't this was in 1999 the chief investigating officer believed oh, God. that these people were being inhabited by the spirit of this 1918 German doctor stupidity in 1999 he's infiltrating Everywhere, Sam. Absolutely. So, yeah, he was acquitted, though, and still practices to this day, often in the USA, though still occasionally in Brazil, and Brazilian health authorities are still trying to shut him down. They have been trying now for 20 years. Have we got any video footage of him putting on a bad German accent? I don't know. Actually, I should have looked this up, and I didn't, but I will, and if I can find it, I'll put a link to it on social media. His time may be up, though, Tom. His time may be up, because apparently Fritz has told him that he would be shot dead in the year 2000. So maybe he's broke. Well, maybe he's broken the curse. Maybe he's a lying charlatan prick. Who knows, Tom? Who can say? Who can say? It's it's a mystery to everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Interestingly, there are several other people who uh, still claim to be practicing as Doctor Fritz as well. And if anyone asks Tom how Doctor Fritz is inhabiting the body of five or six expert Brazilian surgeons, the answer is always, well, he's dead, and the spectral plane is a complicated yes, thing. Yes, and, and Dr. Fritz <laughs> For fuck's moves sake. in mysterious <laughs> ways. He does. Mysterious and medically unqualified yeah. ways. Yeah, and he's a miracle worker. Yeah. Stop asking these questions. Yeah, absolutely. Lie down and have your turpentine. Although at least he's consistent, Tom, because as an unqualified doctor, 
Fritz accidentally killed someone's daughter. And as an unqualified doctor, he's still killing people's daughters. <laughs> and he still doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he still doesn't exist. <laughs> that is bizarre, isn't it, Sam? It's an odd story, isn't it? The story that he, through the seances, the story that he tells is I was a shit doctor when I was alive. <laughs> I'm a shit doctor and now. People wanting to pay money for that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. If you were going to make up someone you were being possessed by, you would go for some famous, successful doctor, surely. Yes, not someone who killed someone before he was qualified yeah. and died long before the invention of penicillin. Or if you're going to make someone up, you would make someone up better. <laughs> yes. Possibly someone Brazilian, so you don't have to put on a German accent. Yeah, someone with an easier <laughs> accent to impersonate. <laughs> the doctor will see you now. I am going to touch you very, very gently. <laughs> You will feel no pain. We have ways of making you better. <laughs> very, very, very strange. It remains one of Brazil's most beloved and believed urban legends. Millions and millions of people believe in the spirit of Dr. Fritz and his healing powers, even to this day. It is bizarre. But it just goes to show how easily utter bullshit, and clearly, when you look at it, bullshit, <laughs> can spread and be believed. There's no debating the bullshit. No, although for, in the interest of impartiality, Tom, we should probably have a spirit healer on. <laughs> the spirit of Dr. Fritz is here now. Hello, Dr. Fritz. And he says, I am a fraud. I've got a little pain in my armpit. Have you? <laughs> and I was wondering if you could help. No, I have zero medical qualifications. But, Why would you assume such because things? Because I want to throw money at you. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, this is where the confusion comes in. I am a doctor, but I'm a doctor of political studies. I have literally no medical qualifications whatsoever. I don't know why I keep being asked to perform surgery on people. I mean, my God, I have a 60% success rate. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Has nobody noticed yet? This is not what I signed up for. This is getting very strange. <laughs> it is. We should probably end this episode here, shouldn't we? It's getting a bit esoteric. I've got a cold. You're tired. We should both this go to bed. This is getting very strange. Yes, let's do that. I don't know if you've got any ideas for next week, Tom, but I, I have an idea. Go for it. Well, I haven't had an idea. The idea came from one of our listeners called Natalie, who very kindly emailed us. Uh, that was geniuscast at gmail.com, if you want to get in touch, and said that we should do kick-ass princesses. We should do rebellious women Good. through history, which I think is a great topic. Rebellious women. Done. Not necessarily literally princesses, but I think she got the idea after listening to our episode on the Russian tank driver. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Revenge week. It was our revenge episode. The Russian tank driver whose uh, husband was killed in the war, so she sold all of her possessions and bought a tank and went on a rampage. Rebellious women, kick-ass bitches. Yo. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Cool. Right, well, thank you all so much for listening and we will see you again next week. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. We're that was geniuscast at gmail.com or on Twitter, we are that underscore was underscore genius. On Facebook, that was Genius Podcast and on Instagram, that was Genius. I think our mug competition, our mug giveaway competition has now ended so I'll email the winners in due course wow. in a couple of days. How many people entered? Do you know what? We actually had more than I thought. How many, did, how many, how many, how many, how many, how many? I think we probably had about 20 people Fuck entering. Off. Yeah. That's pretty good. 18 more than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, and you and I both entered. <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. So we will let the winners know in due course. And we'll have another competition, uh, another giveaway at some point soon, I am sure. Right. We will see you next week for a delve into kick-ass ladies. Say goodbye, my favourite kick-ass man. Bye. Bye, everyone.